like what you and I are into and what we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. it might not be for everybody. Like, right, trying I mean, to kill big deer. We're talking about hunting big mature whitetails. Yep. If you don't like it, sorry. Perfect. Of the Painted Arrow Podcast. Devin Cole and myself are here today. And uh, I'm hoping that you, Dev, can start off and give us an update on some of your food plots that you've been putting in. You've been you've been documenting on our Instagram story, some of our highlight reels, and I'm I'm curious if you can break that down for us. Yeah, so <clears throat> everything I've planted this year is at the new farm. So never planted here before. Historically, they've never planted here before, at least not for a really long time. Um, I talked to the previous owner, and I think he said his grandpa used to plant beans way, way back. And I don't know how far way back is, but that could be 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago. I really don't know. So it's been a long time since anything's been planted here. Um, I've got a plot that we put in that I've been... I, I dissed it early spring and then I've just kept it mowed down and then I just had, you came out and gave me a, a day, mm-hmm. which I really needed. Um, but I gave you the, the tractor and the disc and I said, disc that up again and then we're going to seed that in clover. And that's probably about right around an acre. Mm-hmm. Close. Maybe like 0. 0.75, 0. 0.8, something like that. But anyway, you dissed that up and we planted it in uh, white clover. White clover. White clover. And it was kind of right before a, a good rain that we had coming. Mm-hmm. And it popped almost immediately. We planted it, you planted it earlier in the summer. Yeah, clover. but I planted it with a clover and chicory mix earlier and like it was like late spring. And it had very little clover in it, I later found out. Like it was mostly chicory and other like... Um, I don't even know. Like it was the filler seed in it was it was there was a high amount of filler seed in it. So it was and cheap seed. Very, it was cheap seed and had very little clover actually in it. So what I bought this time was just basically white clover, a bag of white clover. Mm. And I bought enough to do about an acre and a half to two acres. So we seeded it really heavy for the for the acre that we were doing. And it popped very quick. That was like two weeks ago, I think, that we po- that we planted that. Um, and it, it popped. Like there's just little tiny green pin dots everywhere. Like it just it germinated very quickly. Um, so I want to interrupt. Like yeah. you were talking to me a while back about clover should outcompete the weeds because it's a fast grower. Mm-hmm. And if you mow it, if you mow everything down, not now, obviously, because you just planted, but like in the future, if you were to mow it, that will grow faster than the weeds and then kind of like shade it out. Is that correct? From what I understand, that's correct. I mean, I'm, this is the first time I'm trying it, but everything I've read said, if you plant it thick enough, and then once it grows to a certain height, if you mow it, you don't mow it down necessarily super tight, but if you mow it, it'll, it basically kind of like, it's like getting a haircut. Like your hair starts growing back and some people's hair grows faster than others. But like, yeah, if you mow it, the clover grows quicker than the weeds and it just continues to, to outcompete the weeds. So from what I understand, you can spray for it with certain things that won't kill the clover or you can just continue to mow it and that will help it to continue to outcompete the weeds in most cases. So mm-hmm. we didn't spread any fertilizer on that either. No. Why did we not do that? I don't know. Um, I know that some really small seeds are like susceptible to being burnt by fertilizer. So my thought was let it start germinating and grow up a little bit. And then if it starts looking like it's needing some help, fertilize it at that point. Do you think um, this is going to be like a luscious, luscious I really don't yield? know. I, I don't know. We, we planted it thick and everything I had been reading about clover plots said that you know, it'll come back every year, but you only get about three to five years of it, like coming back really well before you probably need to terminate it and replant just because of the other things that are starting to compete and you're not going to get a hundred percent regrowth every year and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but yeah, the hope is that it continues to regenerate and as long as I mow it and take care of it, that it'll, 
continue to be a really nice clover plot, but we got to get there first. So it, it looks like it's off to a good start. Again, that was two weeks ago and we had a good amount of rain right after we planted. That was the first week of August. Right. Which is probably early to plant clover. Like I could have probably, and maybe should have probably planted it like first week of September, but we have had a dry summer. And then like, I knew we were getting rain right after that. And then last night and through the day today, we're getting a whole bunch of rain, Mm -hmm. which is why I planted the next plot. We'll talk about when I did. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping that, that we have enough rain that it can continue to, uh, you know, grow and get well established before fall. But we'll see. I, I have never planted clover. I've never hunted a clover plot and really like watched deer behavior with clover. I mean, you see them in the yard munching on clover, I guess, but I'm just curious. I wanted to try a bunch of different things. Um, that big stand of, of native grass behind my house that we talked about previously that I kind of drove all over and like broadcast seeded the rye into they're in there picking every single night. I haven't actually been out there to like, look at if there's any growth coming up through there, but there's deer standing in that grass eating every night, you know, picking around. So maybe we're getting some growth over there too. Um, that's a section though that I think I'm going to probably try to turn into more of a, like a, um, security shield versus food next year. Like at the very back, I might may still do food in that location, but at the very back of it, right before that travel corridor, I'm going to put like a wall of something. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm something like something that's going to get up like 12 foot tall. So those deer can work that edge and not feel like they got kids up at the house, you know, looking at them or whatever. Yeah. So that area that you're just referring to, as well as this clover plot right behind it, there's like a path, like a tractor path. Correct. And I mean, I'm speaking for you, but last year it seemed like there was like a lot of midday cruising bucks that we saw or mm-hmm. you saw and told me about, it was just like a, it kind of like at the end of each trail, it kind of just like meets both bedding areas almost. It's kind of like this open trail that there's a lot of scrapes on in late October and you're, you're talking from your house. You're going to kind of block that with that grassy spot. But on the other end of that trail, there's kind of like a food plot where the, where they're coming out of this. It's not like a thick bedding area, but there's like a bedding area. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if this trail we're talking about is running east and west, on each the east and the west off of my property there's a bedding area on each end and that that trail that that's running to connect the two is also running like just parallel with a big strip of timber that's also pretty thick in certain spots so to me it's kind of a funnel like if if they felt really safe traveling that path it's a funnel connecting two bedding areas so it would make very good sense that during the rut, we would see cruisers the way that we did literally in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we kicked off the the moment series last year on, uh, on, I think November 4th is the first time we hunted together and we were just like kind of shooting the shit, getting ready for an afternoon hunt. And we had a sweet buck walk that edge that we literally glassed from the house and we tried to sneak down and make a play on him. Mm-hmm. Actually, that might've been the day before that might've been November 3rd, but, um, so on one hand, it's cool to be able to sit on my back porch and, and glass that plot. Like if I made that a bean field, that'd be really cool for the summer. Mm-hmm. Right. But you also got to think about the fact that if it's cool and you can see the deer, the deer can see you. Mm-hmm. And so what I might do is, like I said, north of that, closer to the house, maybe I'll leave that some food and just make it a, a little bean. Field. Maybe I'll try a little bean field next year just cause I want to, but on the back side of it before that trail, we were just talking about. I feel like I have to put in some sort of screen, whether it's like some conifers or some like big miscanthus grass or, you know, some switch grass or something. I got to do something that's going to shield and give a screen for them to walk that edge and not feel like they're just being stared at. Mm -hmm. Because I think that'll, they will use the property differently if they can walk that edge and feel totally secluded and safe. Yeah, that was like the biggest, that was like the biggest thing that you had, you know, you bought the place, Mm -hmm. you hunted it last year, I hunted it a little bit with you, and like, I I remember the consensus being, 
we got to just put a lot of food in. Yeah. I say we, but I mean you. You're like, I got to put a lot of food in. And because you got bedding all around. And that was like a huge point. I remember you kept like saying, you're like, I just got, I got to put in a lot of food. I got to put in a lot of food. And you have. Yeah. And I mean, thank you for reminding me that, me of that, because. um, That was like the first thing that I remember you like, you know, you start to have these ideas. You own a new property. You you start. I, I know like it, it seems like we continually have new property. <laughs> we're always like yeah, in this it's like not boat like of, that, but <laughs> I know it's not. But like in the last three years, it's like, oh, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Trying to trying to make a game plan, trying to scheme. But yeah, you bought you bought this place and that was like after the first hunt you're like man we got really great bedding all around but like we just got to get a lot of food in here it makes sense too because you're able to come and go kind of and i don't know be more aware of where the deer are the way i think about it and it's in a lot of ways it's very different in a lot of ways it's very similar to the crick woods where there is good ag and lots of ag around but nothing directly adjacent like my property and directly adjacent to my property is thick bedding for the most part. Um, on my property, there, there's only a couple spots where they would really bed, but adjacent to my property is thick bedding. And then as you get farther out, you can start hitting some ag. But if you like look at a map, my property and directly around my property is probably where these beer, beer deer are like located and bedding. And then they branch out from there to go to these big destination food sources for this, the big ag. And so I just watched, I literally just watched, um, uh, a Bill Winky video where he's talking about why he loves interior food plots. And so like a lot of what I'm putting in bigger than I've ever put in, but in the grand scheme of things, they're, they're little, uh, they're little interior food plots that are staging areas before these deer, they're going to get up from bedding. And then if I can keep them milling around long enough to get a shot off before they go out to these big destination ag sources, food sources, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I do remember now that you bring that up saying that like, man, if I'm going to make one observation very quickly, it's that there's bedding all around and tight to me, but there's no food like close, close. Or, I mean, you got to define close. Cause I got ag across the street and I got ag, you know, maybe a half mile each direction. Like there is ag close, but I mean like nothing touching me. You know, what's really opened my eyes in the last, I don't know, a couple of years is Ever since I bought uh, the last house, right? Yeah. Just moved from there. No longer own it. But ever since I bought that place, that wasn't that wasn't a definite like ag ag area. Like I had open fields all around, and smaller, more contracted like chunks of timber. Right. Right. <clears throat> Deer are willing to travel very far for food for good bedding. Oh, okay. Like it was, it was a lot, it was a lot easier, well food too, but it was like a lot easier to pattern in those big ag, you know, areas because it's like they're either bedding in the summer along a ditch line where there's some water or they're in the timber. Your situation was really different because like you said, the majority of the ground was ag. Like there was maybe some fence rows like, and like for... (laughs) for a considerable distance you owned and the neighbor owned the only real block of timber and cover everything else was either crp or open ag for I, lear- a I learned really a long ways yeah so from that standpoint i see what you're saying is you know the deer are going to travel however far they have to for cover or when you, when you get to that later part of the season I yeah, wanna, yeah yeah i want to clarify that because like in the summer like they're bedding right tight right to next the to the food. Yeah. Like right on in it. a ditch bank, just right next to the or water. In, and Or in the beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Holy Spirit, I glassed him multiple times bedding. Right in the beans. Like in a little thicket line between two fields, like out in the middle of this field. Where yeah. it, I mean, it makes so much sense, right, in the summer. But in the winter, it's like, you know, the colder and cooler it gets. They need thermal cover. They need to be in thick, nasty areas. And it's like, yeah. oh probably right there or right there. Yeah. And like you, you can just, you know, and you look at the, the, the distance and they're traveling three quarters to mile and a half. So from that standpoint, like a big section of what I own now is open and, and similar to the CRP that you owned, but there's a lot more cover around here. Mm-hmm. 
like there's a lot more cover around here and tight to me, which makes it harder to pattern, you know, exactly where those deer are going to be. But there's just a lot of good bedding opportunity around. And so the only way to really pattern that is like we were talking about to put in some food. Yeah. Like back, like just bringing it back full circle where my head was at when I made that comment last year was there's a million projects I need to do and could do and should do. But the immediate thing that's going to have the biggest impact the quickest is get some food on this property. Yeah. And so like, again, like it makes all the sense in the world that I was saying that to you, but I'm not even in the headspace of remembering that that was the goal because I got overwhelmed in the last year about all the things that needed to happen. Like we're, this property was not managed or really used for deer hunting. It is, it, I think it can be, and will be a, a good hunting property, but like it was select cut eight to 10 years ago. The, the big woodlot is was completely overgrown and thick to the point where like you can't even get through it. Deer probably couldn't even get through it in a lot of places. It was so thick. So there was no trail systems. There was no ability to access the different parts of the property. Like all of these things, the more that I dug into it, I, I think I probably started getting overwhelmed with all the things that needed to happen. But at the end of the day, here we sit middle of August. And to your point, like the original goal that I set forth last year was whether I get A, B, C, Indeed. Well, if I get B, whether I get B, C, D, E, F done or not, I got to get a done and a is get some food in. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, uh, we'll see how they take off, knock on wood, but that clover plots big. And then in the back we did, um, like 1.7, 1.8 acres of brassicas, which is, I mean, my biggest plot that I've ever done before that was shy of a half acre, half acre over at the Crickwoods. So that's by far the biggest plot that I've planted. We constructed it in a pretty unique way, like with some thought on how we wanted to funnel traffic. Um, again, based on where we think these deer are bedding, the two different spots that they have to bed. And then we're thinking, okay, if this food source is going to potentially connect or be in the middle between those two bedding areas. We want the food plot to be in a shape that makes the travel routes from to and from those bedding areas as predictable as possible. I would add predictable and like just obvious for the deer too. Like it's correct. It like they, they already want to go from one end to the other for right. other reasons than the food that was that you put in. Right. So like instead of putting this food plot in like a perfectly square shape or, you know, a circle or whatever, one edge of this food plot, it basically the food plot ended up being sort of like a trapezoid mm -hmm. or like a parallelogram. But one edge of this, of this food plot is literally on like the line that would connect the two bedding areas. Yeah. So if they, like you were like, basically what you're saying is if they followed their nature to say like the quickest if you path were, if you from point A to that, point B. Yeah. yeah. The quickest path from point A to point B would be on this line. That line is the adjacent edge of like one of the food plot. Right. Instead of it being this super cookie cutter shape, we made it the shape that it needed to be. It's hard to explain, but hope, hopefully I'm doing a decent think, job. Of I, explaining think it make, it, but I think it's very clear. So it's a funky shape, but it is a funky shape because that is the the path they want to travel to get from point A to point B. And so if they're already wanting to travel that path and now we've put some food on that path that gets them to stop and, and funnels them to certain points where we have stands, that's the, that's the idea. Can I add something that you're forgetting? Yeah. Um, please. We, we added 25 chestnut trees to your property. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> in the, in the back, uh, maybe we'll just say the back half of the property is largely very open. Like what your property was. Uh, it's not enrolled in CRP, but it's tall grass mm -hmm. and adjacent neighbors properties have started to grow up in some decent cover, but mine for whatever reason is largely open. Like there's a few trees here and there, but it's pretty open. And so we put in 25 hybrid chestnut trees, which are, um, from what we were reading, like a really, really excellent food source. Um, I believe the company was chestnut whitetail, whitetail hill or something, whitetail hill chestnut. Yeah. 
And I actually bought, it's so it's, it's kind of chestnut. a funny story. I yeah. bought these trees for the old property. Your old property. Yeah. Like expecting them to deliver in a very specific time frame so I could plant them at my old place. God had different plans. That house sold. So I actually realized after the house had already <laughs> sold, like, holy crap, these trees are going to be delivered like any time. And I tried to call and say, hey, like, can I get a refund? Can I return these? Like, I, I, I'm moving. Like, I can't even, I, I don't have any need for them. And they said, sorry, like, they're, you know, sales final. And I, like, suckered you into buying them. Yeah, you were like, hey, you need 25 hybrid chestnut trees? <laughs> I, I was like, I'll help you put them in. Yeah. But you got to pay for them because I ain't getting nothing out of it. And they're yeah. expensive, kind of. They're you know? Yeah, they, I mean, they're not cheap. It was, it was good money. But so just really quickly on a side tangent about chestnut trees. Everybody, um, I wouldn't say everybody, oak, oak trees are very popular because they drop acorns. The yeah, thing yeah, about yeah. that is like, there's a lot of studies I've read things. It's like, it could be like once every seven years or more that they actually yield. And when they yield, they yield really well. Mm-hmm. But chestnut trees, I think these were two, two or three years old, maybe less. I think they're less. I think they were one and they're like, they were bare root trees, tiny little, like maybe 18 to 24 inches at max. These, these trees, these hybrid chestnut trees will yield every year. Starting within like within the, the three to year. five years. Yeah, yeah. So we got one end almost, mm-hmm. but these chestnut trees, it's going to be dynamite because there's not a lot of opportunity to get chestnut trees anywhere else or right. chestnut chestnuts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the deer. It's a high, high source of, like, it's a really good source of protein. Super high. Yeah. Like, like the concentration of nutrition. I should have brought the, their the specs open, but yeah. it's like, I'm like jealous. I'm very jealous. Well, and like tying this back into the food plot, that that edge that I'm talking about that's on the line that would connect two bedding areas, that a lot of those trees ended up along that line of the plot. So you have these trees kind of staggered that are going to grow up and give structure, like a structured edge essentially that's going to connect two bedding areas. And then along that structured edge, that is one of the lines of this new food yeah. plot. Like six years from now? when your boy or you shoot the biggest buck of your life under mm-hmm. a chestnut tree, I'm going to take credit for it. Please. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I also planted like over 30 red cedars, Eastern red cedars. Um, and yep. again, like there were just certain spots, like that whole thing is so open. Like I tried to start designating like, where would I want structure? Where would I want these deer to feel safe? And, um, you know, in a lot of my, in a lot of ways I was thinking about the buck nest. I don't know how much we talked about it on your other property, but like there was this very specific spot on your other property where the Holy spirit was clearly living mm. and it wasn't necessarily like the tightest, thickest spot on the property, but it did have good cover and there were cedars in there that were just shredded. And so like my mind, I was really trying to like kind of replicate that, um, that feeling that I got when I walked down into the buck nest. Like I wanted, I wanted to have that open feel, um, but have like these little pockets of, of thermal cover and where it just felt like a deer would hunker right down in there. Yeah. Like kind of like little satellite bedding locations that feel secluded. So yeah, we put in 30, 30 cedars as well. So I guess between, well, I think it's over that. I think it was like 36. Basically I planted 60 trees between the, the cedars that you and I put in, or I'm sorry, the, the chestnuts that you and I put in and then the cedars. And then we have the, that we'll have the clover plot and then the brassica plot. And I didn't do a very good job of explaining the brassica plot, but it's about 1.7 acres. And I planted the frigid forage, big and beastie, um, blend, which is a, a blend that I've used before. I had really good success with it, um, in the past. And it is a, it's a brassica blend, but the year that I planted it, I had turnips, like literally the size of a baby's head <laughs> and radishes like the size of my forearm. Like, like it did really well that first year I planted it. There's a lot of variables. Like that was the first year I'd ever planted a food plot. So that soil was the first time it had been planted in God knows how long. And that was at the Crickwoods. I also can't quite remember what strategy I used for fertilizing. I don't remember if I fertilized the day that I planted or, you know, when I did that, or if I even did that. You did. I remember you doing that. So this stuff I did not fertilize yet. So we planted it in a location that has this really black, rich, loamy soil. 
and uh, I'm going to wait for it to get established and then fertilize it if I need to is kind of, that's the plan with this. And also in the past, I've used a tiller to plant. This is like probably the biggest thing that I'm interested to see how this happens. So in the past, every food plot I've planted, I've used um, a three point tiller on the back of a tractor. And it does a really good job of, of taking any thatch or any like material that's on the surface and literally churning it into the soil. So then on the top you have soil, but it it's, it takes all that other matter and mixes it together. This year I disked. I bought it with the tree deal. I bought a disc from you and I've, I used that and it did a good job of, of breaking up the ground, but it left a really thick layer of all that dead grass and thatch. And so then I went through and I broadcast seeded my, my brassica blend into that. But initially I was like worried. What if this stuff doesn't make its way through the thatch and get down to get good seed to soil contact? Like what's going to happen here? <clears throat> and so it, I chose to drop the disc down like very lightly just to barely scratch the surface and just drag, drag all that in. Um, I'd also read that, you know, that could be a little risky because if you bury the seed too deep, it's just not going to germinate. The brassicas don't have the energy to bust through more than like, I think three quarters of an inch of soil. So, but I, I, I dropped it in so that it was barely getting, the disc was barely getting down into the thatch and I just ran back over it again to try to get that seed to like shake through all that thatch and get down to that, that bed of soil. So we'll see. Um, we did that. Oh gosh. What day did I plant? Maybe August 11th. Yeah. 12th. Yeah. I believe it was 11th. Um, it would have been today's, uh, I think it was the 13th actually it was the 13th I planted on the 13th and it was because um well actually I wanted to plant later in August but again we've had like basically no rain and we had like a really good chunk of rain coming so I planted kind of on a whim I had had it sprayed I had had it bush hogged down I was planning to like I had it ready but then the day hit and I knew that we were getting like over 24 hours straight of rain and I'm like this is the time so I kind of hurried up and got it in on, on the 13th. So we'll see. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, weather forecast right now and it ain't going to rain for the next, it, I mean, it's obviously can change, but it looks like it's going to be really hot. Yeah. For the foreseeable. It looks future. like there might be some rain coming on Thursday. Um, it rained. Basically I planted it two days ago. It started raining yesterday afternoon and it rained all night. It's supposed to rain a little bit more today. I think until like, two, three o'clock. Um, and then we might get some more rain on Thursday, but yeah, it, it's, uh, I needed to take advantage of that rain because I was looking at that extended forecast and I'm like, man, I don't know when the next opportunity is going to be. So I just kind of jumped at it. My plan is, uh, and you're still waiting to get your plots in or your plot in. Yeah. Are you, but yours is prepped. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm, if there's an, do you want me to switch to my yeah so like plot now? Yeah, I, again so i guess i'll wrap it up that that is my new place i've got the two plots got some trees that we added some trails that's pretty much you know to minimize it i added some trails added some trees put in some food and that's it for this year hung some stands blah, 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 blah. 60 trees a couple food plots <laughs> no big deal <laughs> um last thing i want to say though is the crick woods my other property that's a whole different ball game this year. I did not plant the the location that I've always planted over there. I, I, I've been out there one time since November 15th of last year, and it was to go refresh camera batteries, pull some cards from last year, refresh cards, the whole deal. And that location that I had planted last year had grown up this year in like native grass because I've done nothing with it. And there were two bucks bedded right in the center of that thing. Mm. And I bumped one of them. All right. Um, I found two beds, but I had bumped one of the bucks out of there. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to try something different this year. I, I'm already short on time, but I'm going to not plant this this year and just see how that changes the behavior of the deer and how they use this property. Because if you listen to our previous podcast, I won't go into it right now, but that's similar where there's bedding on one side of my property and ag on the other side. And the deer are very predictable travel from one to the other. And I needed a staging plot. And so like, that was the first thing I messed around. First time I ever messed around with food plots was like five years ago over there. But 
I, I don't want to go back out there. I've been out there once since last year, and I want to let it sit. So I'm not planting that this year, and I'm going to just kind of sneak in when it's time to go kill one. So I think you're going to kill the biggest deer of your life out there this year. We'll see. I mean, that's that's the cool part of, of uh, so far, that's been the cool part about having the, the two different properties. Like once I get this one to the point where I'm really happy with it, like they each set up differently. Like a bad sit for one is a good sit for the other in terms of conditions. So it gives you options, but it also is causing me to not just overpressure one property because it's the only property I've got and I'm bored and I want to go do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from that standpoint, just the pressure that I'm not putting on the property alone is going to yield to or lead to better sits. But yeah, just purely from a pressure standpoint, I mean, yeah. deer are, especially mature bucks, are like the best at finding secluded, secluded areas where there's no human pressure i mean that's when you boil it right down mm-hmm. think about 9001 and the holy spirit buck this is this is the easiest thing for me to point to because it's by far the the biggest caliber deer that i've ever even encountered right but like think about that big crp overgrown no food at all mm-hmm. and he picked out the one secluded area <laughs> it's just living there that's the biggest thing that makes like when we walked down into the to what we now know was his bedroom like you walked in there and you were like of course he's in here yeah like if i was a big buck and i was trying to get away from everybody but still be close to food and like you walk down in there and it's like of course this is the spot he picked like you walked in there and it was like it was undeniable like you just knew you were in his bedroom which was funny because it was probably 160 yards from a house literally not mine but somebody else's there's like a lot of kids in the backyard but like he just identified this like little spot that was human free and it was yeah yeah you couldn't get in there without making a racket my god when you walked down in there it was just like that i was it was so impressionable for me when we walked in there for the first time like i don't i had you been in there once before i had gone in there with you or did we go okay i walked in there and just the sign, like the way everything looked, I was just like, yeah, this is where he lives. Like, of course, first of all, of course, this is where he's living. But second of all, you couldn't deny this is, this is where he's living. Yeah. All, like all my, I remember the first time I went in there it was, it was like late December. I think it was the 26th of December, the day after Christmas. And it was like all my little freaking big buck bells in my head were ringing like oh i mean it was basically like knocking on the door and having him greet you there with like with fresh cookies like come on into my house like it like like it was like he first of all he showed you where he was living yeah but anyway like when you walk in there it was like yeah this is where he's living and and of course he would live here why wouldn't you if you were a big buck this is the spot you'd pick too Mm -hmm. and that's always kind of how it works too like when you find a good you're doing some scouting you find a good location or you bump a big buck and you're like of course that's where he was. Yeah. Like, duh. Yeah. I'm, I miss that property right now. Like, <sighs> thinking about it's it, <sighs> So, so we're going to say, seg- I'm going to tie this in. We're going to segue this in. So yeah, you spent, you learned a lot of lessons as a bow hunter, but just as like a property owner and a property manager with that first property, then you sold it and bought something that could not be any more different. They don't have, virtually any similarities you yeah, know what i mean not. like they, they are quite literally the opposite of each other yeah and so like i guess talk a little bit about one of the first changes similar to what i talked about on this property one of the first changes you said you need to make is i gotta somehow get a food source in here but that was a taller task for some reasons you can get into so so talk through like what you did what's prepped and when you're planning to plant yeah I, i'll be honest with you i when I when I sold the other place and bought the new place, feeling very uh, like glass half full, underwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I really liked the open CRP ag field um, setting. Mm. Like I really do. Like I, I could I could I could do a observation sit and glass the entire property. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like I could, like I put my dad on a buck on November 15th because of an observation set I had on November 14th. 
I mean, I saw a really good box. Like, like the morning of the 15th, my dad couldn't make it out. I was sitting in a very specific spot on a field edge, and I remember glassing clear over. It was like four or 500 yards. Yeah. Saw a buck go into a bedding area. Had my dad come out that afternoon, and we, like, made a play on it and almost killed a really, 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 really high-class deal. Class deer Mm -hmm. in Michigan. So all that to be said, like, this is, like, very... This new property is poor access. I don't have very good access at all. When all the leaves are down, you can see straight across it. Mm -hmm. Like, lots of eyes, lots of ears. Um, I do think that there's going to be more... Actually, I don't know if there's going to be more bedding, actually, but... There, there, there is the opportunity to have a lot more bedding. I think it's going to take work. Like, you got a lot of chainsaw work and just different architecture things to do, but there's no question. It's, it is more cover, is the way I would put it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm really excited. I really am, but I guess I just... I think about hunting, and I, I, I'm in my mind, I go to these, like... Like, I don't know, I love seeing corn stalks, like brown corn stalks or beans and yeah. like being close to that. And like, just, it's not that it's easier, but it's just more natural pattern. I, I kind of understand it better. Whereas I'm getting into something I don't really understand as much. I think like I'm hunting trails now. I've been having to like put boots on the ground and like really go out. And this is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that I don't like this cause I love it, but it's like the, the, the style of in which I'm hunting is, is completely different. It's just so completely different to get in and like hunt a trail. It's just different. It's just so different. Yeah. I mean, to your point about the cornfields, it's when you're hunting ag fields and big open ground, the travel patterns are a little more predictable because the deer are going to gravitate towards edge and the little structure there is to hide their travel, which make, which makes, you know, pinpointing those travel patterns a little bit easier you know, I would equate your new property to kind of like hunting the big woods stuff. It's hilly. It's a, it's vast. Um, it's really vast open, not open necessarily, but it's, it's, it's a lot of the same thing. It's a big sea of timber. And so you're relying on trails and the structure of ridges to tell you where and when the deer are going to be there, I guess. Yeah. So it is a, I can see how it's an entirely different challenge. Yeah. I guess in my mind too, like I can't picture how I'm going to get in or through or to any spot without just absolutely crunching it up. Like, I think you're going to have to take a completely different approach. Like, I don't see like everywhere I think about going to hunt, it's going to be like each step, just, you know what I mean? The leaves, like it's so, it's so oaky and it's so maple-y. Like it's so oaky. It's oaky everywhere. But like, I don't know, like you you watch a lot of the hunting public content and they like, they're not walking to a spot and climbing a tree. Like you're going to have to hunt that property. Not not like hang spots and go to the spot and it's like, oh, I bumped a bunch of deer on the way in. This ain't the spot. Like for the first couple of years, you're going to have to like hunt your way in, hunt your way out. Like just go out there and hunt the property, not go sit in a spot. Does does you see what I mean? hundred percent. And I don't have any sets really hung. I have like one or two like um like spots like uh here's like a specific setup like i have two of those on 70 acres so like not much i'm planning on saddle hunting it a lot and just kind of like creeping around like you said like running running around out there with like a leafy suit on and a saddle with some lightweight sticks in your back like climb a tree maybe you don't maybe you sit up on the ground like just letting the deer and the sign and the property tell you where and when you need to be like that's going to be that's going to be fun. Like from a, like you're going to learn a lot as a hunter, but you're also going to learn a lot about the property. And I think that's probably the quickest way to like level out that learning curve is like go out there with no expectations. Don't just go sit in a spot on a trail, like go out there and just hunt the property. And I'm glad. So like, I kind of said like, Hey, at the beginning I was glass half full, like to turn empty or half full. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I wasn't as excited. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay. But like, I really am now like I'm, I've had a couple of guys out there walking it with me. I had Jake Elinger out there with me and just, I don't know. I'm going to learn a lot. I think that's the key is like, I'm just going to go out there and learn a ton and I'm I'm excited for that. Right. I'm excited to kind of get, you know, I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to bump a lot. I know I'm going to bump some deer. Like I don't know anything about it. And, um, 
you know, kind of wrapping this back into like our initial conversation about food plots, like that was one of my things too, is like, I don't necessarily, you know, have a bunch of projects that I wanted to get done. I did want to like walk it and scout it quite a bit in the summer. Like that was like a huge thing for me. Like I didn't even understand the trail system that was in there at the beginning. I didn't understand where the property lines were. So like, I've just been kind of like accessing a lot as, as funny as that may sound. Like I've just been like taking the UTV around, taking the chainsaw and like clearing trails and just trying to get familiar with like the ground. deer trails and like wh- wh- how it lays out and like slowly walking through and maybe bumping a couple of does and like, just like really keen at, keen in on all the little small details in the off season kind of thing. Yeah. But the big thing was, is putting in this deep timber food plot that we've been documenting on, on the story quite a bit. And there's just like a specific knob that I've been clearing a lot of hickory trees. It's really not that big. It's smaller than an acre. It's probably half to three quarters of an acre, just cutting out trees. And I'm going to be putting in a food plot in there. It's been sprayed. It's been cleared. Um, and that's kind of like the last thing I'm going to do. I've been going into that specific spot and just like putting a lot of time there. I think I've put eight full like work days. Hmm. I full five hour, like, you know, as much as energies I have for that day. So like I think eight full days of labor into like this spot, spot right here, clearing out trees, you know, raking, you know, picking up twigs, like getting it ready to plant. And so everything's kind of been cut down for the year. That's going to be cut down. Um, like it's been sprayed. I'm waiting. Probably it's going to be the, the last week, you know, after looking at the the forecast here, it'll probably be, you know, the beginning of September, the last week of, of, uh, August. So yeah, that's what I got to do left. And I'm kind of planning on, I have a couple different, um, seed that I've previously got and it's just sitting in the, I got to use the seed up. So I got, they're both domain. Um, one's the big sexy, which is their, you know, radish and turnip, um, Brass plot, cooking. real, real yeah. thick, um, feed, but there's other one that's, it's called their no BS. Hmm. And it's basically for hard to get areas where you can go in and rake up a spot if you don't have equipment. And it's, it's stuff that, you know, you'd grow on the concrete, it'd grow deal. on the concrete. Yeah. You just yeah. throw the water on it. So I might, what I might do is go around the edges that aren't going to get as good sunlight. Exactly. And just maybe do it real heavy there with that that um, no-till blend basically is what it is and then go in the middle where the sun is and put that um that brassica mix and see what happens and this spot was a spot that obviously it still required a lot of work in terms of cutting but it was like one of the thinner spots that lended itself to like oh well, i mean with a bunch of work i could see that there could be a food plot here like would you say it was like it was it wasn't as thick as other areas where it just made sense that this was the best spot that could be turned into a food plot. Exactly. Yeah. Excuse me. Exactly. The, um, good trails going in and out openish area. Openish. Yeah. And, uh, it was way, I'll be honest with you. It's way more work than I was anticipating. I mean, how many trees bigger around than your waist do you think you took down at least 20 and it was openish? You know what I mean? Yeah. At least 20. I mean, but it keeps growing too. Cause you're like, well, we got this little spot and then you can see the sunlight starting to hit and it's like, man, we still need to Gotta take get more. that one more tree. Yeah. And so it kind of kept like growing and growing and growing and it got to the point where I probably next year, there's like, I left a couple of really big ones yep. and I'm thinking about the sun in the fall. It's going to be, you know, towards the Southern, I don't know what's the right way to say that it's going to be, the sun ain't going to be high up in the sky. It's going to be more towards the, the Southerly hemisphere, I guess. Right. I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, don't don't look at me for validation on that. <laughs> the sun in the fall, it 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 doesn't come up and go down in the same spot. It, it goes down further towards the south. So like all the trees towards the southern portion of the food plot, I was trying to clear so that the sun could come in and, and uh, hit. Okay. Um, and especially especially with the west too. So yeah, yeah, when yeah. the sun sets in the afternoon, I wanted to make sure I took some of the bigger trees on the west side of the plot out so that the sun would be able to get in. Got it. Not just in the in the morning yeah um anyway kind of rambling that that's the biggest project i've had was this food plot deep timber food plot don't know what's going to happen don't know if it's going to come in well hasn't been planted ever 
I mean, as far as I could tell you. You plan on fertilizing it too? I think so. At the time you plant or just after and see if it germinates? I don't know. I think it's going to grow well. Yeah. It's pretty, there's not a lot of I mean, that forest floor is probably starving for sunlight. Yeah. It's never been planted as far as you're aware. The only thing that's in the back of my head, and we had this conversation before, like I've tried to plant a food plot before underneath hickory trees. That's the primary species in there is hickory. On that knob. Shag bark, yep, shag bark hickory. So they just litter those those nuts right on the ground. Yeah. <clears throat> and bef- my experience, which is not very much experience, but it didn't grow well underneath the hickory. So that's all this is. Yeah. So I don't know if it's very acidic. I don't know if it was just the spot. I don't know if maybe the place I did it before was where a farmer jumped, you know, dumped a bunch of chemicals at some point, but like it did not grow well at all. And it was like a, a micro plot the size of this room where I heavily yeah. triple 19 heavily. I mean, it was like, but you also did not drill that in or till that at all. Correct. That was just straight onto bare ground. No, I, I, I sprayed it. I understand. Had it absolutely dead. I mean, yeah, just yeah, yeah. dead. And then I went in and ruffled it in with a, oh. with, a with a rake. Cause mm. it was, a, it was as big as this room. It wasn't that big. Well, on this new stuff, I'm, I think you either need to disc or till or like use your, like you were talking about maybe using the cultivators, do something to like break up the ground and get that seed down into the soil a little bit. Yeah. I think that's going to be the, the ticket, the ticket, but yeah. I mean, so honestly, if it doesn't work out, there's always next year, it's kind of a cool spot. It's kind of a cool opening where a deer kind of come through and I got a camera on there right now. In terms of you know like big big deer in the area, I've I've gotten like a couple of bachelor groups that have moved through, but nothing like nothing crazy. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. This is gonna be a fun fall to figure this place out, and uh, yeah, I think we're gonna give we'll probably give an update on all this at some point. But we're getting into uh, kind of towards the end of this podcast. We've been teasing quite a bit, talking about our new series that we're gonna do. Um, in this very room that we've been, we actually made the room for the series, which is going to be called that one hunt. We're planning on trying to get a handful of these, you know, interviews in before the hunting season, but it's kind of getting difficult for, you know, people's schedules. Cause everybody's, you know, fall is filling up September, um, hunts coming around. So I don't know, I don't know what that looks like, but we're, we are working on kind of getting a guest list and, and a lineup. And so, yeah, we'll we'll get something put together. The idea is just to bring value. You know what I mean? We talked about that one hunt, but you know, we want people to come in with a story that's going to mean that you're going to learn something and we're going to learn something. Yeah. So, it's just like pieces of of data and education that you can take into the woods with this fall that might change an outcome for you. Yeah, I don't know. And then on the tail end of that, last year we did the first ever what we called the moment series. Yeah which we video documented with all of our products, right, on a cell phone. And this year we're planning on doing that again. However, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, well, we got a couple of kids coming. And, yeah, we just didn't plan it out, that aspect of it, like, very well. So I don't know. I really don't know because I've never been a dad before. I've never had a kid. You have. You're well, having your second. I'm having my first right at the beginning of October. Yeah. So it's like. What's going to happen? I don't know, but we're really going to try our best. Last year, we talked about the whole purpose for the moment series was that we're acknowledging that there is that dad that's a dad of three kids who's got a job and he might only get four or five days a year to really hit it hard. And it's his rutcation. Mm. This year, we're living that. Mm. We got a company that, it, you know, thanks to you guys is is on a rocket ship. We've been blown away with, with how quickly Painted Arrow is, is growing and it's... At times it's overwhelming. Um, I still have a full-time job. Uh, we've got, I've got a kid. We've got two, you know, I've got a kid on the way. You've got a kid on the way. So we are now that guy that is the guy that we made the moment series about. The guy that has a lot going on, but he loves being in a deer stand in November. Trying to get it done. And so that's it. Like we're going to figure out a way to put together the moment series. And this time we're that guy. We're not pretending to be that guy. We are that guy. We are that guy that is not going to have a lot of time on the front end or the back end of that moment series to get it done. And so it's, it's getting, it's get out there and get it done. So I would argue this year's moment series is going to be the realist version. I love how you just flip that on its head there. Hey, 
That's it's the truth, man. It is it is the absolute truth. There's no like, hey, we're gonna hunt these days, you know, morning and night. Like it's gonna be when you can fit it in, you get out there and you gotta get it done. And hope your preparation has put you in a position that when the opportunity presents itself, you leave no doubt. It's very simple. Drop the mic, dude. You leave no doubt. <laughs> leave no doubt. I think we got to end it on that. I do. I do too. Ooh, that was my sternum. Did a little stretch there. Another. Wow. You good? I'm great. All right, guys. Really, really, really appreciate all the support. Like Devin said, we're growing as a company. We really appreciate that support. Um, please interact with us in any way that you, you know, see fit. We're on social media. We do a really good job of responding to all of our emails, all social media reach outs. You know, we, we really appreciate that support. And, uh, I think Devin and I are, are super excited to just go into the fall. Hopefully you are too. And just, and just do what, what it is that we dream about and think about daydream about all year. Yeah. And we're not going to be going on a September hunt this year, but there's a lot of you guys that in like 14 days now, you're going to be going into the, the elk woods, maybe in the mountains, maybe some, some Colorado Aspen, that smell of fall is just, it's, it's just coming. in the air. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, you put me there. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm there. Send us your footage. Oh yeah. If you have a mag pro and you go shoot a, a big bull elk or a muley, or a pronghorn, or anything. Send us the footage. Please. Send us the footage. We'll put it on our socials. Um, you know, we'll we'll blast it. Send us your footage. Tag us. Do whatever. That's it. That's it. Guys, have a great week, and we'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Perfect. Perfect.